0: Chapter 8 of Fighting the Whales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Fighting the Whales by R. M. Ballantyne. Chapter 8 Death on the Sea. The whale which we had taken, as I have related in the last chapter, was our largest fish of that season. It produced ninety barrels of oil and was worth about five hundred pounds sterling, so that we did not grieve much over the loss of our boat. But our next loss was of a kind that could not be made up for by oil or money, for it was the loss of a human life. In the whale fishery, men must, like soldiers, expect to risk their lives frequently, and they have too often alas, to mourn over the loss of a shipmate or friend. Up to this time our voyage had gone prosperously, we had caught so many fish that nearly half our cargo was already completed, and if we should be as lucky the remainder of the voyage we should be able to return home to Old England much sooner than we had expected. Of course, during all this time we had met with some disappointments, for I am not describing everything that happened on that voyage. It would require a much thicker volume than this to tell the half of our adventures. We lost five or six fish by their sinking before we could get them made fast to the ship, and one or two bolted so fast that they broke loose and carried away a number of harpoons and many a fathom of line. But such misfortunes were what we had to look for. Every whaler meets with similar changes of luck, and we did not expect to fare differently from our neighbors. These things did not cause us much regret beyond the time of their occurrence, but it was far otherwise with the loss that now befell us. "'It happened one forenoon. "'I was standing close to the starboard gangway early that morning, "'looking over the side into the calm water, "'for there was not a breath of wind, "'and talking to the first mate who was a gruff, surly man, "'but a good officer, and kind enough in his way "'when everything went smooth with him. But things don't go very smooth generally in whaling life, "'so the mate was oftener gruff than sweet. "'Bob Bray said he, "'Have you got your cutting-in gear in order?' "'I've got a notion that we'll raise the oil this day.' "'All right, sir,' said I. "'You might shave yourself with the blubber-spades.' "'That was a good fish we got last, sir, wasn't it?' "'Pretty good, though I've seen bigger.' "'He gave us a deal of trouble, too,' said I. "'Not so much as I've seen others give,' said he. "'When I was fishing in the Greenland Seas, "'we made fast to a whale that cost us "'I don't know how many hundred dollars.' You must know the first mate was a Yankee, and he reckoned everything in dollars. How was that, sir? asked I. Well, it was something in this fashion. We were floating about in the North Atlantic one calm, hot day, just something like this. Only it was the afternoon, not the morning. We were doing nothing and whistling for a breeze when all of a sudden up comes five or six whales all round the ship, as if they had spied her from the bottom of the sea and had come up to have a squint at her. "'Course, the boats were manned at once, "'and in less than no time we were tearing after him like all alive. "'But them whales were pretty wildish, I guess. "'They kept us pulling the best part of five hours "'before we got a chance at him. "'My boat was out of sight of the ship before we made fast "'to a regular snorer, a hundred-barreller at the least. "'The moment he felt the iron, away he went like the shot out of a gun. "'But he didn't keep it up long, "'for soon after another of our boats came up and made fast.' Well, for some two or three hours we held fast, but could not haul on to him to use the lance, for the moment we came close up alongside of his tail he peeked flukes and dived, then up again and away as fast as ever. It was about noon before we touched him again, but by that time two more harpoons were made fast and two other boats cast tow-lines aboard of us, and were hauled along. That was four boats and more than sixteen hundred fathoms a line, besides four harpoons it was fast to that whale. And yet for all that, he went ahead as fast as we could have rowed, taking us along with him quite easy. A breeze having sprung up, our ship overhauled us in the course of the afternoon, and towards evening we sent a line on board to see if that would stop the big fish, and the top sails were lowered so as to throw some of the ship's weight on him. But the irons drew out with a strain. However, we determined to try it again. Another line was sent aboard about eight o'clock, and the top sails were lowered, but the line snapped immediately. Well, we held on to that whale the whole of that night, and at four o'clock next morning, just thirty-six hours after he was first struck, two fast lines were taken aboard the ship. The breeze was fresh and against us, so the top gallant sails were taken in, the courses hauled up, and the top sails clued down. I assure you, that whale towed the ship dead against the wind for an hour and a half at the rate of two miles an hour, and all the while beating the water with his fins and tail so that the sea was in a continual foam. We did not kill that fish till after forty hours of the hardest work I ever went through. Some of my shipmates seemed to doubt the truth of this story, but for my part I believed it, because the mate was a grave, truthful man, though he was gruff and never told lies as far as I knew. Moreover, a case of the same kind happened some years afterward to a messmate of mine while he was serving aboard the Royal Bounty on the 28th of May, 1817. I know that some of the stories which I now tell must seem very wild and unlikely to landsmen. "'but those who have been to the whale fishery "'will admit that I tell nothing but the truth, "'and if there are any of my readers who are still doubtful, "'I would say go and read the works of Captain Scoresby. "'It is well known that this whaling captain "'was a truly religious man who gave up the fishing, "'though it turned him in plenty of money, "'and became a minister of the gospel with a small income. "'So it's not likely that he would have told what was untrue. "'Well, in his works we find stories "'that are quite as remarkable as the one I have just told, "'some of them more so.' for instance he tells us of one whale in the greenland seas which was not killed till it had drawn out ten thousand four hundred and forty yards or about six miles of line fastened to fifteen harpoons besides taking one of the boats entirely under water which boat was never seen again The mate told us two or three more stories, and a lot of us were gathered round him, listening eagerly, for there is nothing Jack likes so much as a good yarn, when all of a sudden the man at the masthead sang out that a large sperm whale was spouting away, two points off the lee bow. Of course, we were at our posts in a moment. There she blows! There she breaches! sung the lookout. Lower away! roared the captain. The boats were in the water and the men on their seats in a moment. The whale we were after was a very large one. We could see that, for after two hours hard pulling, we got near enough to throw a harpoon, and after it was fixed he jumped, clean out of the water. Then there was the usual battle. It was fierce and long, so long that I began to fear we would have to return empty-handed to the ship. We put ten harpoons into him, one after another, and had a stiff run between the fixing of each. "'It is astonishing, the difference between the fish. "'One will give you no trouble at all. "'I have often seen a good big fellow killed in half an hour. "'Another will take you half a day, "'and perhaps you may lose him after all.' "'The whale we were now after at last took to showing fight. "'He made two or three runs at the boat, "'but the mate, who was in command, "'pricked him off with the lance cleverly. "'At last we gave him a severe wound, "'and immediately he dived.' "'That was into his life,' remarked Tom Lokins, "'as we sat waiting for him to come up again. "'The captain's boat was close to ours, about ten yards off. "'We had not to wait long. "'The sudden stoppage and slacking off of all the lines "'showed that the whale was coming up. "'All at once I saw a dark object "'rising directly under the captain's boat. "'Before I could make out what it was, "'almost before I could think, "'the boat flew up into the air "'as if a powder magazine had exploded beneath it. The whale had come up and hit it with his head right on the keel, so that it was knocked into pieces, and the men, oars, harpoons, lances, and tackles, shot up in confusion into the air. Immediately after that the whale went into his flurry, but we paid no attention to him in our anxiety to pick up our companions. They all came to the surface quickly enough, but while some made for the boats vigorously, others swam slowly and with pain, showing that they were hurt. "'while one or two floated as if dead upon the water. "'Most of the men had escaped with only a few cuts and bruises, "'but one poor fellow was hauled out of the water with a leg broken, "'and another was so badly knocked about the head "'that it was a long time before he was again fit for duty. "'The worst case, however, was that of poor Fred Borders. "'He had a leg broken and a severe wound in the side from a harpoon "'which had been forced into the flesh over the barbs "'so that we could hardly get it drawn out.' We laid him in the stern of the boat, where he lay for some time insensible, but in a short time he revived and spoke to us in a faint voice. His first words were, "'I'm dying, messmates.' "'Don't say that, Fred,' said I, while my heart sank within me. "'Cheer up, my boy. You'll live to be the death of many a whale yet. See? Put your lips to this can. It'll do you good.' He shook his head gently, being too weak to reply. "'We had killed a big fish that day.' and we knew that when he was tried in we should have completed our cargo. But there was no cheer given when the monster turned over on his side, and the pull to the ship that evening seemed to us the longest and heaviest we ever had, for our hearts were very sad. Next day Fred was worse, and we all saw that his words would come true. He was dying. I was permitted to nurse my poor messmate, and I spent much of my time in reading the Bible to him at his own request. He lived about a week after the accident, and then he died. We buried our shipmate in the usual sailor fashion. We wrapped him in his hammock with a cannonball at his feet to sink him. The captain read the burial service at the gangway, and then, in deep silence, we committed his corpse to the deep. End of Chapter 8